Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. A few years ago, more along the lines of over 10 years ago, uh, Marion helped out with a group called Casa de Paz down on Marion Road. And uh, we were there on one particular weekend helping out on their weekly gathering, and uh, me and some teenagers went there, and we were helping out with their younger students at their weekly gathering. And the lady that ran the place, we'll call her Deborah, because that was her name, uh, but uh, she had us sit down with the kids, and she asked the question, if anybody had had anything uh, that had prayers were answered this past week. And one kid said he prayed for his grandma, and then another eight-year-old boy stood up and said, I prayed for my dad this week, and he was healed. Interesting. And then she prayed a prayer of, of thanksgiving over the healing, a prayer of praise, and uh, then we continued on. And then, as the helpers in the room, uh, she turned the direction to us and said, well, what do you guys need prayer for? And it was that kind of that moment, like, we're just here to help, you know, like, take the spotlight off of us. But we all had to give an answer, and then she assigned three to four students, eight, eight years old and younger, to each one of us, and they prayed for each one of us. And those kids prayed with expectancy. They prayed with boldness. And it was really just, uh, I was in awe as I heard these kids pray. And uh, my first question was, like, who taught these kids to pray? And, uh, and, how, and like, how did they know how to pray like this? And um, ju- in just a few moments after that, uh, Deborah, she led us in prayer and some of the kids' prayers sounded very much like Deborah's prayer. And I knew in that moment that she had taught all of them to pray. It was something that I've never quite been a part of exactly like that, to hear kids pray with such boldness and expectancy. Uh, Deborah eventually left her position at Casa de Paz and went to work at the International House of Prayer. Um, and if you had heard her pray, it would surprise none of you. She was the kind of gal that when she prayed, you were like, just keep going. Just keep praying. This is great. This is great. Uh, and prayer, in, in my opinion, uh, as us as Christians, is probably underutilized, and uh, sometimes we could take some cues from when kids pray. Even to this day, some of my favorite kids, or some of my favorite people to hear pray are, are kids. Uh, prayer is something that is uh, taught and learned, and is something that is addressed several times in the Bible by Jesus himself. Uh, prayer is something that is taught uh, on multiple occasions in the Bible, and Jesus uh, t- talks and teaches directly on it. Um, Some interesting facts is Jesus never teaches directly on how to give a good sermon or give a good Bible lesson, but he does talk directly about prayer. Uh, So today is going to be all about prayer, and Jesus finds it very important, and uh, and he lived to show it was important. So we're going to read today in Luke 11, uh, 1 through 13. And if you have it out there, that's good. Otherwise, it'll be on our, our TV. By the way, if you haven't noticed, we had some technical difficulties today. We don't know what happened. Sometimes things happen. Luke 11, 1 through 13, I'll read. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. 
For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of his friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I ask you, ask, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's a fun little... Uh, package we have today. And and at first glance, the section starts out with the disciples uh, asking to teach us to pray. But if that wasn't there, these stories might at first glance seem like they're not connected. Um, But they are. But this story is coming off the heels in chapter 10 of of Jesus talking about um, Mary and Martha. And so we don't get any context clues. We don't have any any idea what's coming. It just kind of comes in abruptly. Uh, but my speculation on how the story went is that the disciples would hear Jesus pray, and they would be awed. And one of them couldn't take it anymore, like, Jesus, can you teach me to pray like that? Jesus had mastered prayer, and his disciples got to hear it and be part of it. Uh, and they knew his prayer life, and they knew that their prayer life had much to be desired. My uncle Mike used to tell me a story uh, and my dad has told me as well about my grandpa. My grandpa was an excellent marksman with a shotgun. And one day when they were out uh, pheasant hunting, a pheasant flushed wild in a long distance. And it was so far away that my uncle said, that's too far, I'm not going to shoot it. And my grandpa pulled up and shot it stone dead at over 60 yards. And my uncle said, Dad, how did you do that? And my grandpa said to my uncle, and this is what gets quoted more often than not, I taught you everything you know but it didn't teach you everything I know. And that was kind of the story, and that's, that's lingered around there for a long time in the Carroll house. I taught you everything I know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. And so uh, there's these moments as we have watched a master at his craft where we have these moments where you look at the master and you're like, teach me your ways. I want to know how you do that. Uh, and this is one of those moments uh, where Jesus uh, answers a question directly. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, you'll know that not many times does Jesus answer a question directly. Uh, In fact, he answers very few questions directly. In fact, the majority of all the questions Jesus has asked, he does not answer directly. He answers many of them with questions, uh, or he has questions of his own that he answers, or he goes into a story or something else indirect. Um, In my Americanist, I want to say that Jesus answers like a politician, but I'm afraid that that will get me in trouble. So I didn't say that. But that's what it feels like sometimes. Uh, But this is one of those moments where he answers directly. Jesus teaches to pray, and he says, okay. But when you pray, say. He just goes right into it. It's 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 a rare opportunity. Go right into it. 
And so it's one of those moments as a reader, we've got to listen up. Because if you are familiar with how Jesus talks, he doesn't ever, hardly often, go right directly into it. And so he says, here's exactly how you should pray. Now we know if you are a Bible reader that this prayer sounds a lot like the, what's known as the Lord's Prayer back in Matthew. Um, but it's missing some things, right? There were some chunks of it as I went through and I read, you were like, hey, you skipped a part, right? Um, but I think, I think more along the lines, not necessarily word for word is important, but the ideas behind it are important. Uh, this, does this mean that we can pray this prayer exactly? Yes, it does. Uh, but what's behind the prayer is what really matters. If you pray this prayer exactly, do you understand the words you're using? Do you actually mean what you're praying? Could you use different words and mean the same thing? Yes, and please do. The prayer starts out with Father. The word for dad or daddy. Uh, the way in which a child addresses their parent. Uh, the approach needs to be humble in heart. It's that moment as a parent where you get the little tug. Dad. Dad. You know, you, you know it. Kids, you know it. When you need to get mom and dad's attention, but you don't want to make a big scene. Dad. Father. The next words are hallowed, or the idea of being sacred, holy, reverent. Holy dad. Well, if you're saying he's holy, then he's set apart. Holy father, you're set apart. You're bigger than anything else. You're a sacred spot in my life. You are the sacred spot. Is he actually the sacred spot in your life? Is God sacred? Is he the most special in your life? If you're saying these words, that's what you're saying. And then it goes right on to say, your kingdom come. By saying this, it's the immediate dismissal of your will. It's God's will. I'm inviting your kingdom. So much would be different on this earth if just up to this point in this prayer, we prayed just this chunk, chunk of prayer and meant it. It would change the way our hearts work. It would take us down a few notches. It would keep us from presenting our requests, just our requests, if we approached them with, Holy Father, your kingdom. But like a bad infomercial, but wait, there's more, right? Give us today our daily bread. Not daily dessert, but just what we need to get through today. Bread is nothing amazing, but, amazing, but it is substance enough. And forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I know that God has forgiven me all sorts of evil. The very least I could do is forgive the others who have done the same against me. After all, who's sinned more against God than me? I mean, I only know my sin. I don't know your sin. But I know I've sinned a lot. I've sinned more against God than any of you could even sin against me. So forgiving you should be an easy task if God can forgive me of all my sin. Lead us not into temptation. This is an interesting phrase. It almost seems like it implies that God is currently leading us into temptation if we don't ask him to not lead us into temptation. But that's not what it's saying. We are first asking to be led. And secondly, being asked to lead us other places rather than being tempted. Not to flirt with temptation. Not to say, God, test me. Try me out. No, the scripture is pretty clear when it comes to just even temptation to flee from it. Flee from immorality. Flee from temptation. 
Flee from evil desires. Don't desire a test. Don't lead others into it. Don't cause others to stumble. Steal long and clear from temptation. This is the end of the little section of the, the part known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and there is more helpings of, of prayer coming, but it's worth saying that we could, we could just stop here. We could just stop here. If, if, you, if you get nothing else from today's sermon, what, what Jesus has said in this first chunk is enough. And people have preached probably years' worth of sermons on just what I covered in a few minutes. So there's a lot more there. And if you desire to know more, there's a lot more that could be studied. Uh, study this section and study these words, but most importantly, pray. Pray and Jesus will continue through prayer and through his word to blow your mind. But let's reread section, or verses 5 through 8. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This story, at first glance, the first time I remember reading it, was like in high school, and I did, it didn't make any sense to me. Who's doing what? There's two friends. You have a good friend that shows up at night and a bad friend that's there. And what? What's going on? Anyway, so for me, I have to like, all right, so a friend comes to my house. I don't have anything to give him. I got to go to a friend's house, all right, and go get it. So that's how it goes. Three loaves? That's a lot. Oh, these are American loaves. Okay, Bible time loaves. Oh, okay, yeah, we're shrinking it down. All right, two fish and tiny loaves. Okay, that kind of thing. So it, it, it helps to, to put it in the framework of how the original hearers would have said it. And so you get to your friend's house and you say, friend, I need some food. Uh, and most likely the friend is, is not a rich man or he would not even be able to hear you from the front door. It's probably a one-room one room house. Uh, if you've ever seen those, if you've ever been to somewhere where the whole family lives in one room, uh, most likely on one end there's a kind of a lofted area where kind of everybody sleeps all at once, and then the, the rest of the area is filled with either your possessions, which your prized possessions would have probably most likely been your animals. Yes, your animals probably lived in your house, but the floor is dirt, right, and you just shovel it out in the morning. Uh, and he says, the door is locked. And that's maybe to keep others out, but it's also to keep your critters in. And darkness, right? I mean, this isn't, a, this isn't in America where we have light and we have street lights and ambient light. It's dark. So when he says, if I, in order for me to get up, that's going to raise quite a ruckus. Uh, just as a parent, if you've ever had a kid sleep with you, uh, number one, you're not sleeping very well, right? We all know that as parents. And sometimes you wake up with, arms across your face and legs in places and why am I wet, right? You know those moments? So you're not sleeping already as a parent, but possibly you have critters in your house as well. And so when a friend finally knocks on the door, that moment like, I just got to bed, right? I just finally fell asleep. No, I'm not going to get you up and give you anything, all right? But because the friend persists, because of his shameless audacity, is why he gets up. It wasn't the loaves, right? The loaves weren't the problem, right? The issue is never three loaves. It's the work to get up and make that happen. You're going to wake your whole house. Everybody's going to be up. So the moral of this story is, do our, are we persistent in our prayers? 
My children, my children have taught me that it doesn't take very long walking through a Walmart or a grocery store, um, if whether they could talk or not, to, for them to let me know what they want, right? I mean, even when they can't talk, the points and grunts, right? And if I, as a father, gave in to every single thing that one of my kids wanted, before I actually got to the spot in the store to get what I wanted, what I came there for, our cart would already be full. And not only would that be bad parenting, that would be terribly wasteful. We wouldn't use most of it. My kids don't know best. However, if my kids, like our Heavenly Father, are persistent and their focus is on one thing, then at least we're having a conversation about the one thing, whatever the one thing is. Now, for those of you that are parents in the room, your kids have been persistent about something you're never going to buy them. But at least you get to have a conversation about why we're never going to buy it. And then there's been other times you're like, I never thought I was going to buy this, but look what I bought. Right? And some of you are laughing because you know, I don't even know how to run that, and I just bought it for my kid. Right? You have those moments as a parent because of their persistence. Uh, but God is ready, willing, and able to give so generously. But really, do we really want what we're asking for? Or do we just ask once? Or do we kind of hint at it? Uh, hopefully you can see the connection here between the persistence and God's generosity. Uh, some commentators call this, this little story a humorous parable. It's like a no-brainer to those that are listening, uh, that God is obviously generous. There wasn't a problem about the loaves. It's never been about the loaves. Are we persistent enough to ask? Uh, rolling right in. Verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10 says, So I ask you, or so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who receives, or everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will remain open. Each action in these verses is met with a response. And I think most often when I have prayed and been upset is that I, it wasn't for lack of response. It was for lack of the response I was hoping for. But a no is as definite as a yes. Uh, and it is affirming enough to know that when we pray, not only is it heard, but it is responded to. God isn't that far away. God hears our prayer and responds accordingly. And then we get to verses 11 through 13. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Verses 11 and 12 are filled with these rhetorical questions. Like if you're kid wanted a fish, would you give him a snake and said, all right, kids, this year, when you go to open up Christmas presents or birthday presents, if you opened it up and there were snakes inside, some of your parents laughed louder than you. All right, but you get it. That would be no present at all. That would be no gift. That would be, that would be no good. Uh, a friend of mine one time was on the cusp of being engaged, and it was one of those moments of any day now he was going to pop the question. And it got to be Christmas time, and he gave his wife, who was not his wife yet, who was not even engaged to, he gave her a camera, a digital camera. And the next present she opened after the digital camera was a ring box. And he got down on one knee, and he opened the ring box, 
and it had the memory card in it for a camera. <laughs> not a good move. Not a good move. She was not happy. But we understand this. We understand this, how this isn't a good move. And in verse 13, it says, If you then, though you are evil, Jesus already knowing that we have a predisposition to sin, and we can understand this, that even in our evilness, we know that we want to give our good, we want to give good gifts to our kids. We want to give them what they ask for. Uh, and we can get this, even if, even if Jesus is calling us an evil people, or his listeners, his disciples at the time, he's calling them evil. <clears throat> but even they can understand that the Father wants to give his kids good gifts. But then he's going on to say, how much more generous is your heavenly Father that he would give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And there's actually an exclamation point at the end of that. If verse 13 had ended, if you then, though you are evil, know how, much to, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your... It, how much more will your Father in heaven give? And if it stopped there, that would make sense to me, but he throws in the Holy Spirit. He throws it in because it's what Jesus really wants to give us. It says much more about our Heavenly Father when he wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Do we crave the Holy Spirit? Do we understand the Holy Spirit? If the Spirit is true and holy and in align with God's will, and the Father, and the Son, and really is the, the three in one, and He's here with us, and, and He's actively engaged in our world, He's advocating on our behalf, He's protecting our hearts, He's protecting our minds, and our thoughts, and dwells inside of us, does it get any better? I mean, if, if, you, if you were God, and you had to dream up this, this best gift you could give, I mean, number one, the, the Son to die for you, pretty good gift. But then after even the sun is gone, I'm going I'm to give you my helper, the advocate. It's going to go on your behalf. Oh, that's a really good gift. That's super humbling. Why don't I cash in on that? Why don't I take advantage of the Spirit? Why don't I use the Holy Spirit? And just like that, at the end of that part, the story ends abruptly at the Spirit. But there's plenty there to chew on. The Spirit, and we talk about the spiritual things, sometimes it's troubling. The Spirit never really, like, we never get a chance to, like, inter or get introduced to the Spirit other than, like, through wind and fire and other things. And sometimes it gets weird, and we don't know where to draw the line. Was that the Spirit talking? All right? But the Spirit is God's given gift to advocate on our behalf. We learn in this model how to pray. Praying is, and how to do it as, as, even all the way down to what exactly we could say. We learn to be persistent. We know that our prayers are heard and responded to accordingly. And we know that God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. Yes, today's section is about prayer. <clears throat> but, but, leads, but what leads up to prayer is do we want God? Do you want God or do you want what he does for you? Do you want God and his kingdom? Do you want what aligns with his kingdom? Or do you just want God when it aligns with your kingdom? Do you want God passively? Or are you seeking him on the daily? 
Sometimes our relationships with one another and other people are transactional. I like that person because they give me fill in the blank. I should be that person's friend. Maybe they'll let me. And sometimes that leaks into how we treat God. I need to pray to God so he gives me. But that's not the point at all. The point is so that we would call him Father. The point is that we would receive the Holy Spirit and not shun the advocacy of it. Prayer is a great thing. It is underutilized by us Christians. Prayer is not a transaction, but part of our deepening relationship with God, who we love and serve. Prayer molds us and shapes us, shapes our hearts, and certainly reminds us and reminds me that I'm not that big of a deal. Not as big as I think I am sometimes. So this is more than just go home and pray. It's pray with intent, persistence, with thoughtfulness. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Sure, you can say it word for word, but you can say it idea for idea or concept for concept. And I know when I do, when I do that, it it helps immensely. Uh, One thing that helps me with prayer is, is an acronym. And it's an easy acronym. Uh, It's called TACOS. T-A-C-O-S. And it starts with Thanksgiving. That's the T. The A is adoration. I adore God. And you get to Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for, you adore God, and you haven't said much else about you. T-A-C is confession. This is when you come on the scene a little bit and it doesn't feel very good. The O is for others. And finally, the last is self and supply. And if you go through it right and you do it right, it's just like the Lord's Prayer, and you get through the first ones, and you feel yourself aligning, you feel your will aligning with God's will. And what you originally came to approach God to pray for, by the time you get to the yes, you forgot. Or it's not that important anymore. So tacos, taco prayer, that's the best shot in the arm I can give you besides the Lord's Prayer. And lastly, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are a holy God. We thank you so much for being that holy God. We have much blemish, and we are hard hearted, and we wander you love so much and you give great gifts help us to understand you and to know you more and through that through praying like your son did our relationship will deepen thank you so much for your love for us that you'd send your son and your spirit thank you for hearing our prayer It is in your son's name we pray these things. Amen.